We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Sean, we had, I think we had a super chat earlier. Wanted to get to it first. We're going to roll through some of these questions as quickly as we can. We had a question from Charlie Weiss's last belt loop. Said, hi, IB, and Charlie, thank you so much for the super chat. We really appreciate it. Hi, IB. Hope you have a great week. Uh, great week. Isaiah Foskey recently stated he wouldn't have came back to Notre Dame if NIL was around in 2019. Will this hurt with recruiting? Thank you, IB. So he wouldn't have come back to Notre Dame if NIL was around in 2019. Wait, so following – he couldn't have come out after 2019, though. Wait, I'm a little confused on this one timeline-wise. Yeah. Was he saying he would have transferred? I don't know. Oh, is that is that – oh, so he's saying coming out of high school, he would have went to a different school if NIL was allowed at that point. So like he would have probably stayed out west or something like that. Is that what we're trying to say? Is is that what I'm reading, Sean? I just want to make sure I'm reading the right that's, thing. That's the only that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Yeah. Based upon what I'm reading. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so Charlie, it's a great question, man. I would say this for me. Is it gonna hurt Notre Dame? Not now. I mean, because at, at the end of the day, Notre Dame is taking steps in the NIL landscape. We talked about the the young lady that they hired as their what was I forget what the the term was for it, Sean, but it was it was something you know, um, it was some NIL consultant or something like that. I forget her official title, director or, or something like director that. Director of the NIL yeah. collective or something like that. As long as Notre Dame doesn't completely avoid the issue and just kind of puts it underneath the rug, I think you know you need to take the steps necessary to show that you are willing to help these student athletes at the end of the day, right? Like that's my biggest thing. So. Well, I don't think it'll hurt them as much right now. I think that this is more of like, hey, we need to take steps to the future. And as long as they do, I think they'll have some opportunities to keep moving personally. Any thoughts on that, Sean? I don't know if you think it'll hurt them at all or I don't know. Look, it is what it is, man. It is what it is as far as NIL and support in any other area when it comes to, you know, helping Marcus Freeman and the football program we we know it is what it is you know so there's a young man telling you flat out that just graduated from notre dame during his recruitment if nil was available he probably wouldn't have chosen notre dame that that should speak volumes yeah and i and now i see that uh Charlie just gave another super chat. Charlie just clarified. Um, it was what we were thinking, obviously. I was saying he would never have came to Notre Dame at all if NIL was around in 2019. Thanks. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you for clarifying that, man. Yeah, I mean, I, if he was, I would say this, Sean, because Isaiah Foskey's viewed as like a probably more of a second round type of player. Maybe if this was like Will Anderson saying it or something like that, right? Like a guy that was potentially going first overall or like a top four pick. Maybe that'll be somewhat different, but I, I just I don't think it would have as much gravity to it, in my opinion. But I don't know. Next question we had, and Charlie, thanks again for the super chats. We appreciate it. 
Mm-hmm. From Archer452 said, Mailbag, with Brian Mason leaving, would you use that coaching slot on another special teams coach or add someone of the other side of the, or on the other sides of the ball? So add another defensive assistant or an offensive assistant rather than a special teams coordinator. You can't. <laughs> you need a special teams coach. I don't want a GA coaching special teams. <laughs> So, Sean, maybe you would know this better than I would. I mean, I could go back and look at a roster and such. Who was – before Brian Polian was the special teams coordinator, Do you know, who who coached special teams before that? Any idea? Scott Booker. Scott Booker, okay. Yeah, okay. I think it was Scott Booker. Yeah, I mean, that sounds correct. Sounds yeah. correct. Yeah, I mean, I, I think – I mean, I, I think for, for the sake of the 2022 season, Sean, too, Notre Dame special teams were a big strength for them, right? Like, they – Help them win a lot. Help them win some football a games. Lot <laughs> that of was football a difference. Games. Yeah, a lot yeah. of football games. So. I mean, you you think about the plays they made in South Carolina. You think about you know the block punts throughout the season, all seven yeah. of them or six of them, whatever the heck that number ended up being. Yeah. I think such things was big for them this year, and I think you saw when Notre Dame got a good special teams coach this year with Brian Mason. It was like, oh, okay, we can do some stuff def- um, from a special teams perspective. Even Brandon Joseph, who's not the greatest athlete of all time, Sean, he averaged 10 yards per punt return. And that was like for Notre Dame fans, it's like, wow, Notre Dame returned a punt. That's wild, man. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yes. I didn't know we were about yes. to do that. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We'll I agree, though. I, I we'll think if you, if you can get a really good special teams coach, you get a really good special teams I coach. Think, I think the, the benefit is I think Brian Mason truly impacted the roster, impacted the young men, and impacted the program. With special what? teams to whereas now it is an expectation. Like I, t- I talked to some of the guys in the 23 class when they were getting ready to show up on campus and they were excited about the opportunity to get on the field in special teams because they saw how impactful special teams was. Right. So it's like before you even get a chance to start or get in the rotation, it's like, man, man, I, man, yo, I get to play special teams right. at Notre Dame. And that is a culture change and culture shift because I don't think, I don't know if the Bob was like that before Brian Mason got there. And when, you know, I remember his introductory press conference when he pretty much was like, yo, the starters are going to play right on special teams. Like, this is just something that you just let walk on. <laughs> Who was that? The Texas A&M? Like you said, oh, yeah, tough, tough man. Yeah. Their entire special teams used to be walk-ons. Yeah. And then when RC Slocum got there, he said, Hold on, we're gonna change that. <laughs> scholarship athletes all there, man. Let's get some right. scholarship athletes out there. And yeah. we'll save one spot for a walk-on every yeah. year. 
And, you know, so, yeah, your, your best players should play on special teams. They, on, they, it's like that for the best teams. So true, man. So true. And we, we got used to some bad special teams for a few years there. So it was very nice to get a little bit of a comment in the right direction, man. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Sean, I'm going to have you answer this one here. We had from Tyler Eric who said, is Notre Dame still going after Brandon Davis Swain? Mm, I don't believe so. I don't believe so. I think it was a mutual parting of ways. How can I say this? Once again, you get into recruiting and you have a lot of people around these young people and where tours where if they had the opportunity to make a decision on their own based upon what most people should decide where they go to college based upon these factors, he's probably still being recruited by Notre Dame, right? You start, you know, involving, you know, the views of his father, who I've spoken to several times, which I don't think he was over the top happy when Brandon committed at the blue and gold game last year. I think he kind of allowed it because that's what he wanted to do in the moment. And I think he was the one pushing for more visits and that's what parents do. Right. I think when CJ Carr wanted to commit his dad, you know, kind of counseled him like, man, wait a minute, maybe we should take some more visits. And ultimately CJ, Yo, it was his decision. And I think sometimes, you know, you don't have young men that understand that at the end of the day, they have so much respect for the people in their lives. They don't understand that ultimately it's their decision where they want to go to school. So, no, you know, yeah, I said all of that to say, nah, that's that's a wrap. Yep, that one's dead. That one's dead, yeah. to put it as nicely as we possibly can. Yes. So, um, interesting player, though, Sean. I, I look forward to seeing uh, – what happens with him, but we'll, we'll shall see. Wait, this question is up a Colorado. Yeah, man. Uh, he seems like the type of guy that would be very appealed to that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that one from Reed Sadaway who said, Ryan, any current or former player comparisons for Cameron Clark? I have one, Sean. Wonder yeah. if you have one as well, or at least a reaction to mine. He reminds me of Ovi Agofu, hmm. which I liked Ovi, man. And Ovi started yeah. at Texas. He's probably yeah. going to start at LSU this year kind of a lighter built pass rusher who was actually a linebacker originally when he came in. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think Ovi had some talent. I think Cameron Clark has talent. That's a really good comp. I can ride with that. I was <laughs> sad to see Ovi transfer. I thought, man, once he went to Texas, you saw him get better. You saw him making plays. And like you said, he's going to start at LSU this year. But that's a really good comp. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, like from a, st- a stand-up rusher, yeah. like good athlete, like yeah, yeah, maybe not a perfect fit into either spot, but can do a little bit of everything. Like, there's a lot there. Archer four five two says mailbag with all the outside the octagon issues aside, is John Jones the best fighter in combat sports history? Oh, man, I mean, it's hard to. My, my hard. immediate my immediate thought was yes. But now I'm thinking about it a little more to see if I fully agree with that or not. I mean, that was my who, immediacy. See, when everything first started, right, like at the infancy of everything, I was a huge Royce Gracie fan. Okay. Like, because he, he would just grapple and put you in all of these submission holes. I'm like, yo, like, this dude is not big, but he just finds a way to take these dudes down. And then I started getting into the McGregor's and uh, St. Pierre's and Strikers. John Jones, John Jones is just everything, man. He really is. He's just he's. I wouldn't be mad at anyone that argued that he's the goat. I wouldn't be mad. I understand if you have someone else that you want would like to put up against them, but I wouldn't be mad if someone wanted to argue that. Yeah, Archer, like, honestly, I might need to sit on this one and think a little bit longer. Because, again, like, my immediate response is yes, but, like, I don't think I've ever really thought about it that much. So I, I think this might be one that we might need to uh, revisit in the future. Good question, though. Impressive win Saturday night, though, I can tell you that. Yes, certainly was. <laughs> certainly was. Lance Rivers asks, I know Peyton Woodyard is a 
commitment to Georgia, but I thought that I read that Notre Dame is still pushing for him. Is there anything new on him? Lance, no. I mean, like this is where we are, man. Notre Dame's going to continue to recruit Peyton Woodyard because Peyton Woodyard's a really good football player. But I, I think that Peyton is very – Peyton's one of those kids, if you, like, got to know him, Peyton's one of those dudes that, like, he is very – he's very consistent with his commitments that he makes, right? Like, he, I don't think he rushed a decision there. I don't think that he made a, you know, a brash decision, anything like that. I think that Peyton made a decision that he thinks is best for him. And I think that he's going to stick to it. I really do. I, I I mean, things could change always in the recruiting world, but I really think that Peyton is very happy with his commitment to Georgia. That being said, though, Notre Dame's going to keep recruiting him. Like they're going to keep they're going to keep calling and they're going to keep texting and they're going to keep doing all their stuff because you know he's open. At least you know he answers the phone. I should say, right? Like I'm not saying he's open in his recruitment, just that he answers. So until he doesn't, they're going to keep recruiting him because he's a he's a very talented football player. So hopefully that answers that question. We have a question from Archer452, mailbag for Ryan. Who was the best quarterback and best wide receiver you saw at the combine, and why were they C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba? Well, I mean, Archer, of everybody that worked out, I mean, C.J. Stroud didn't have the best day as a thrower. I mean, like, it was it was considerable <laughs> as well. You know, like, I thought there was some good stuff that Will Levis did, although inconsistent. I thought Anthony Richardson obviously blew the place up from a testing perspective. And there were some really good throws he made, but like you saw the inconsistency, you know, CJ Stroud was consistent as far as his approach, his drops, ball placement, all that great stuff. CJ was really good in that day. Why receiver wise? I mean, Jason Smith and Jigba was really smooth through the drills. He tested really well in the short shuttle and the three cone, like at a historical level, he tested to that degree. I would say Joshua Downs also had a great day. You know, he ran four four eights out of North Carolina, but his explosive numbers were really good outside of that. And then he was also another kid that I thought was incredibly smooth through the gauntlet and through the routes and all that great stuff. So, I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba from an on-field perspective, as far as the on-field drills, was definitely at least top two or three wide receivers there for sure. C.J. Stroud was the best thrower at the combine this year because obviously Bryce didn't didn't throw, so you don't know what it would have looked like comparative. But yeah, C.J. was very impressive. There's no doubt. We had another question from Timeout Tom who says, "I know Notre Dame is was trending poorly with Peyton Pierce. Has anything changed? I haven't haven't heard about Kennedy Erlacher lately. Is there any update?" So Tom, Tom uh, let so Peyton Pierce stuff. It's still a little bit of a to be determined. It's just about like how much impact Max Bola and Al Golden can have over the next, you know, several weeks here. Like that'll be a big indicator as far as like if they can keep the momentum. Because obviously the momentum did stall and decrease with the loss of James Laurinaitis. So that was still a little bit of a to be determined type of thing. He just got done wrestling about a week ago. So things are going to start ramping back up with his recruitment for the Kennedy Urlacher thing. He has a visit obviously scheduled for April. I mean, I'll put it like this, man. I think if Notre Dame pushes very hard, which I expect them to push hard for him, I think that Notre Dame has a very good chance to get Kennedy Urlacher into the class. I think that the family really likes Notre Dame. They're very receptive, obviously, to that conversation. I think Kennedy also is very intrigued by Notre Dame. He's never been there, though. But I think when he gets on campus, Sean, that could really speak volumes for Kennedy or Lacker. I think that it could really move the needle for him. And I think Notre Dame is going to be hard to beat in that one overall, personally. I so. think his dad would love it. Yeah. Being a, being a guy that played it. in Chicago for so many years, right? Like, I think his dad would love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so too, man. I've, I've, I really, I really do. So I think they're in a good shot with Kennedy or Lacker. Could spot with Kennedy or Lacker if they need to recover with Peyton Pierce. And we'll see. Here is a question from Stephen Doty said, is this visit? Oh, sorry. We already answered that earlier. Yes. It was an unofficial visit for Cameron Clark. My apologies. Sean, here's one for you. Jason Smith says, how is Justin Scott's basketball season going? I know Sean, I know you've been out to a couple of his basketball games already. Yeah. Was that his game Friday? They beat their arch rival. Fenwick blew them out actually late in the game. You know, because they had played a really close game earlier in the season. And Fenwick was looking for revenge. Tonight, 
they are in the elite eight tonight is the super sectional you know if you're out in the western suburbs is that now arena out there at hawking estates they play gray's lake who is a pretty good team at 29 and 5 but the competition they play out in that area is it's okay so this would be the second consecutive trip down state for justin scott and saint ignatius and more than likely his last opportunity to win a state championship in basketball because more than likely he's going to early enroll wherever he goes so yes tonight seven o'clock they play gray's lake and i fully expect that they'll win another game and you know justin is steady they really have gotten better over the season as a team because of the growth of Phoenix Gill, who is the who was a sophomore shooting guard slash point guard and the son of Kendall Gill. He has really taken oh, a major Ken step. Kendall Gill's got a son, huh? Does he? Yeah, he's oh, wow. really taken a major step forward for that team, and has been averaging close to like eighteen points a game in the playoffs. So, is is he a shooter like his dad? Because Kendall can shoot now. Combo guard, okay, because he plays the point for them. He's combo guard, and he had he's gotten so much better at running the offense, getting them involved, being a coach on the floor. You can just see his growth, right? And he comes from a bad, he's been around basketball his whole life. Yeah, his dad is Kendall Gill, so just reps. You see, the more he plays, the better he gets, and that's really been kind of like the stimulus for them the second half of the season to go on this run that they've gone on. Well, best uh, best of luck to yep. uh, Justin Tonight Scott. Tonight at 7 o'clock, yep. So, so, Sean, this could be his last basketball game ever if they lose. Like, it ever. Could. That's wild. It's yeah. wild, man. <laughs> Early enrollees, man. That's wild. We had a question from Stephen Doty, or it looks like more of a comment here. Said, love how Michael Mayer didn't win on the underwear Olympics and the weird reactions. Goes to show how playing football is a different thing. Hope he gets the right fit where he can be used to his full potential. Agree, Stephen. I would also say this. People always ask me, what, what the, what's the best fit for Michael Mayer as a team? And I'm just like, any team that throws the football is the best fit for Michael Mayer, man. Like, he's that good. He really is. So, yeah, I think he's going to be just fine. Just fine. Sean, we had Nathan Milton said, Ryan, is Isaiah Foskey really stiff or medium? <laughs> medium stiff? <laughs> That's funny. Is he light starch? Is he light starch? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's really funny. Uh, Nathan, I, I don't think he's super <laughs> stiff, though, to your question, right? Like, he's not, like, unbearable, can't bend, can't change direction. It's just not a strength, right? Like he's an okay change of direction guy. He's got okay hips, but there is a little bit of tightness there, right? Like it's not, there's some pass rushes where you're like, man, that guy cannot bend at all. Like that is a pure linear player. There's no bend in those hips at all. I think Isaiah has some bend in his hips. It's just that it's not a strength of his. So I hope that makes sense. So I guess I, medium, I guess medium stiffness. Medium I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, at no point, and I'm sorry. Notre Dame fans, at no point would I take Isaiah Foskey over Will Anderson. I don't care what defense I'm playing. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's just a better player. He just – he just is. And I know Brian kind of specified, I think, Friday that he would take him if the defense, if it was this certain type of defense. Give me the better football player. No doubt. Just no, no doubt about that. We also had Stephen Doty who said lots of comments about Isaiah Foskey from the Senior Bowl about his lack of a plan. Is the word on the street that it, this is fixable and a result of Notre Dame coaching, or is it an issue going forward? I don't think it's a result of Notre Dame coaching. I just want to like kill that, right? Like I just don't think that's the, the fact there. I believe that it is fixable, one, and I think that people are pretty open to that because it's nothing – it's nothing tangible, right? Like it's nothing phys physical. It's a mental processing thing. Like you need to kind of get that plan in your mind and be able to use it. Yeah. So it's fixable. Is it going to be an issue going forward? I have no idea. That's up to Isaiah, right? Like that's up to him, whether he wants to really enact and to grow, but it is fixable, Stephen. Absolutely. 
We had a mailbag from DM and D13. He said, do you think Mayer is the first tight end drafted? What are the odds Kincaid gets drafted before Mayer? I still believe that Michael Mayer will be the first tight end drafted, Sean. But I think it's a little more up in the air than what I thought it would have been when the draft process started. Like, I honestly, it could be Kincaid. It could be Washington. But I would say Mayer is still the favorite to be the first tight end drafted. Like, that's just where I am with it. He won't. You don't think so? He won't no. be? No. I've, if he is, I've, it's so bad. Man. I look it's at the bad. history of the GMs in the NFL. Half <laughs> of them are competent and half of them are dumb. Yeah. That, that's just the way it is. And the, the dumb ones are usually up top <laughs> with the low, with the higher picks. And they're the ones that are going to pass on Michael Mayer and outthink themselves. It, it does happen a lot, man. It does happen a lot. So it happens every right, year. Sean. It happens every right. year. They're literally talking about Anthony Richardson being a top five pick. I a top five pick. Yeah, it might happen. See, a top five pick at 54% completion percentage. That's insane. It, it would be, I think, one of the five worst complete career completion percentage ever drafted. You know this, Sean. Of Good. all first-round quarterbacks ever, who had the lowest completion percentage in their college career? This is a great one. Great trivia question. Repeat that. Of all the quarterbacks drafted in the first round historically in the NFL mm-hmm. draft, okay. who had the lowest college completion percentage? I'll give you one hint. It was below 48%. It's like 47 point something percent. Wow. Yeah, man. Great trivia question, man. Got people in the chat can guess this one too. It is uh I, I saw this one. I was like, oh wow, that's crazy. Hmm. Some funny names. No, <laughs> John Elway is not one. JP Lossman's, I think, completion percentage was significantly higher. RG3, I think, actually had a nice completion percentage, if I remember it was correctly. Like close to 70, right? Maybe not quite 70. RG3's was 67.1. You're pretty close, Sean. Like, that's a high completion percentage. Got, so, to rephrase the question, I'm talking Rick about Meyer? college completion percentage. College completion percentage. What's that? Rick, My- Rick Meyer? Because Rick Meyer was pretty bad in 1990. No, was it Rick Meyer? Mm-hmm. Oh, someone just got in the chat. Oh, Kyle Bowler. Oh, wow. Kyle Bowler, who at Cal had a 47.8% completion percentage, Sean. His highest ever was his senior year where it was only 53.4. Wow. Wow. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Just wild, man. Absolutely wild. But yeah. But he could throw the ball hard, just like Will Levis. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> good, good job, Jay. That was a Jay. You get a sticker, man. You get a sticker, or email Brian and ask if you can get a free mug or something, man. I don't know. I can't help you in that department, though. But you can try. You can try. From Ant VR, Sean Ant underscore VR says Nolan Smith's forty time is great, but doesn't production matter? The guy had twelve and a half sacks and twenty tackles for loss over four years. Production should matter. I mean, well. All right, let me rephrase. Oh, Production does matter, Ant, but people lose their minds for upside sometimes. They lose their minds. Definitely. And I'll, I'll put it like this, though. Raw stats sometimes aren't a great indicator of product of um, impact yeah. either. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at a guy right here that is a multiple-time All-Pro, Sean, that during his college career had 17 tackles for loss and 11 and a half sacks. Do you know who that is? Hmm. Nope. That's TJ Watt. He's one. Yeah, he did not have. Good. Yeah, and he did not have a ton of college production. Here's another one. Uh, here's a defensive end that has been the multiple Pro Bowls that had 21 tackles for loss in his career and had four and a half sacks. Four and a half in his college career. Hmm. It's a good one, man. I got all the trivia stuff today, man. I got it working. You stumped me, who? It's the Neil Hunter, four and a half sacks at LSU, four and a half sacks at LSU. I would have never guessed the Neil Hunter. Yep. And he turned out to be a really good football player. And and look, first of all, Nolan Smith missed a full season. He did. Relax. Those stats probably would have been like 20 and (laughs) 30 tackles for loss if he played (laughs) this year. So let's, let's not act like he wasn't a productive player when he played. 
early at Georgia. Early. So Yeah. And Nolan Smith is a good football player. He just he he hasn't been incredibly productive as far as like his sack numbers, but like he's been a really good run defender during his career. Definitely a very good run defender. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's roll through a couple more of these. We're going to get out of here because I do got to go pick up the daughter today. From St- uh, Stephen Doty, does Brian uh, Brandon Joseph have the mentality of a to be a five six seven and special teams warrior? So round five six seven and a special team warrior. I well, I mean, so I mean, I would say this, Sean. There's no mentality with a five, six, seven, right? Like that's where mm-hmm. you get drafted. I don't think yeah. that you go they're like, you know, I'm a fifth round pick, man. It's my mindset. No, no one has that mindset. Can he be a special teams warrior? I don't know, Steven. I don't know. He's not a consistent tackler. So that's not great. He also isn't incredibly fast. So, like, is he a guy that you want to run down on kickoffs? I I don't know. I don't know. Look, I'm hopeful for Brandon Joseph, man, because I still think there's some good tape out there. But <laughs> it's a clouded vision right now, man. It's a very clouded vision. We had another combine question, Sean, that said, Eric O'Brien said, how had, was Tyson Badgent during the combine? So he's the quarterback out of Shepard. He actually tested really well, Eric. Better than I thought he would. He was ready like yeah. the four sevens, man. I was like, really? Yeah. Huh. His dad was there cheering him on. It was pretty cool. Oh, tra- yeah, yeah. Tra- one of my one of my buddies in the media side, Sean. He uh he he had a fun um because you know his dad is a arm wrestling champion or whatever. Yeah. He had yeah. an arm wrestling uh, competition with him at, nice. on the, on scene at the uh, at Indianapolis, nice. which was pretty funny. But nice. I, like I didn't see his, stories like that. I love yeah. seeing stories like that. It's great story, man. He actually. Sean, he was actually about to transfer out of Shepherd his final year too before the season to you know. Mm-hmm level up in the competition and everything decided to stay at Shepherd, man and did did well with the program that wanted him obviously coming out of high school so great story like him. that good for him i think he's a talented thrower tested better yeah. than i thought it's just man that step up's gonna be pretty big he's gonna get drafted late yeah. most likely can he acclimate to the nfl speed that's big I, and we'll see but yeah. i eric i thought i thought he did well for himself at, at the combine i thought he had a solid performance i agree Sean, we had a question from Call Me Ty who said, Mailbag, which group would you pick for Notre Dame? You have you can either have Ryan Wingo, Aeneas Williams, Jaden Riddell, or Cam Williams, Carter Nelson, Corey Smith. Which trio is better? Well, I'm rocking with my boy Cam Williams. I, once you put Cam Williams in there, it was over. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I would opt for that second one as well because – I, I would probably go for the second one as well, Sean, because like you said, Cam Williams is a dog, right? Carter Nelson, everybody knows I'm a big fan of Carter Nelson. Corey Smith would be great. I would love Corey Smith in Notre Dame, but Corey Smith's not coming to Notre Dame. That's just kind no, of where, where that one is at this point. I do. I would say the more realistic one is number one, though. Like That's much more realistic than number two because I just don't think Corey Smith's going to come to Notre Dame. Like, so mm-hmm. that one's dead. But, uh, I mean, you can't go wrong either way, in my opinion. Either way is very good. It's just – you know, it's crazy, Sean. At the end of the day, when we get to the final rankings, all that great stuff, we're going to have a legitimate conversation on who's better, Ryan Wingo or Cam Williams. We're going to have that conversation, man. And when he committed to Notre Dame, nobody would have had that conversation. It would have been nope. Ryan Wingo, Cam Williams down here mm-hmm. a little bit. Cam's yep. junior year was wildly good, man. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal junior year. Yep. I love Cam, man. He's a good football player. Then we go to (laughs) – this is a funny one, Sean. Wayne Miller just said, didn't the Raiders take a speedy wide receiver over Michael Crabtree? They did. They drafted Darius Hayward Bay out of Maryland that year over Michael Crabtree. Crabtree, of course, ended up being a good NFL wide receiver. Darius Hayward Bay did not. (laughs) It was good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Michael Crabtree – I remember him in – was it him in – Richard Sherman, right? Got into it in the end zone where Richard Sherman stole his chain and threw it or whatever. <laughs> like, that was um, crazy, right? Yeah, absolutely crazy. Here's a pretty general one, Sean. I think there was another question about this. Yeah, we'll, we'll get that one in a second. Bailey Brad asks, thoughts on Anthony Richardson? Do you, have a, do you have thoughts on Anthony Richardson, Sean? I have a lot of thoughts on Anthony Richardson, actually. You can give your thoughts. 
this is if Andy Richardson ends up in a perfect situation, I think he could be a superstar, man. I really do. I mean, that kid is an incredible athlete. He's got mm-hmm. a live arm. It's just he hasn't played enough football. I really wish he would have went back to school. I really do. He just hasn't played enough football. He's very he's very inconsistent in his approach because he hasn't had live bullets a ton. But in the right system, I think that he could be really good. I really do. But the problem is, is that if he doesn't land in the right system, he could also be very bad, right? There's a chasm between his upside and his floor. He's an incredibly low floor prospect. So this is an ultimate boomer bust kid. He's an ultimate boomer bust kid. I can buy into the hype, but I can also buy into the hype by also saying, but he probably wouldn't be a guy that I would bet my job on, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's kind of tough for me, Sean. It's kind of tough for me. Yeah, I agree with that. For me, it's all about where you go, right? Oh, man. If, let's just say he drops and the Ravens take him, right? And they franchise Lamar for two seasons. And then eventually let Lamar go. Anthony Richardson has been there for two years, just in the background. Just it's the same system. Like it yeah. is literally the perfect system and perfect coaching staff to be able to transition him into the NFL. But it's definitely going to take the right coaching staff that has a vision for a talent like him. He he's definitely not a he's definitely not a fit transcendent player. Right. Like Trevor Lawrence, you could have dropped Trevor Lawrence into any situation and he would have gotten out on the other side, in my opinion. Right. Right. Like you could have dropped him into Jacksonville with Urban Meyer as his head coach and he could have figured it out like he's figuring Mm -hmm. it out now. Most quarterbacks, if they dropped into that type of situation, they would crumble and then their confidence would be shot forever. Like most guys would be that way. Mm -hmm. Not every player is like that. Not every player has that fortitude on top of the talent aspect of everything. Right. And I don't know. If Richardson does or not, I just know that there's a little bit of a long distance between the ceiling and the floor, a little bit of a long distance there. Want to bring this one up, Sean, because we don't know the answer to this one, but it's fun. Jay Henry said, what happens if Blake Fisher returns and Billy Shroud turns into a guy? Do you put them on the same side? Could you imagine that nastiness, Sean, on one side? (laughs) That would be fun. That would be really fun. But he would fit. Well, his personality would probably fit better next to Joe Alt. Because that would be more like a Quentin Nelson, Mike McGlinchey vibe. Because Blake is nasty. Now, if you watch Blake in the second half of the season, he watch him in a Gator Bowl. He yeah, you, man. He looked good, man. He looked good. I'm interested to see, Sean, too, how NFL teams view Blake Fisher. Because I think yeah. a lot will say, like, oh, he can play offensive tackle. But I think there's some dude that will be like, that guy could be an all-pro at guard, like an yeah. all-pro at mm-hmm. guard. Yeah. Or he could be a good tackle. That's where the outweighing happens. It's like, do you want a good tackle or do you want a pro, all-pro type of guard? I mean. Hey, they pay guards now in the NFL. They do. They so. Do. <laughs> hey. Yeah. I mean, and I, I would like Notre Dame to start. It would be awesome if they start this like that trend that we've seen at Alabama over the last few years where it's like left tackle leaves, the right tackle who's a stud moves over to left tackle now, right? Mm-hmm. Like it would mm-hmm. be cool to see if Blake could play left tackle. I would, or it would be great if both of them come back for another year after this year, <laughs> like they're fourth year guys. That yeah. would be wild. But I, if, if Joe Alt has a season like he just had again, Sean, or better, just find it hard to believe he doesn't come out of the draft, man. Just find it hard, very hard to believe. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. He just had a great oh. year, man. He's a he's gonna be a top ten pick if he has another year like he just had. We've, we've seen it. We've seen it happen at Notre Dame. We've seen I it know, happen. I know. But like happen. Mike Mike McGlinchey would have been like a late first round pick if he came out the year before, though. Ronnie was top ten. Maybe Ronnie would have been. Ronnie would have been top fifteen. Maybe come out. You, you might be right about that one. You might be right about that one. All right, let's get on to. We only have like three more left, Sean. So Archer said, Andy Richardson got the maximum athleticism score at the Combine. The other top scores from quarterback all-time, RG3, Tyree Jackson, who's now a tight end in the NFL, Trevor Knight, Oklahoma Trevor Knight, Tyrod Taylor. That My guess is he has a similar career. I guess my question would be a similar career to who? Because like there's a little bit of different outcomes in that group, isn't there, Sean? It's like RG3 flamed out because of the injury, and he was just never the same guy after the for good first year. Tyree Jackson never played quarterback in the NFL. He was just, he's a tight end now. Trevor Knight never played in the NFL. And then Tyrod Taylor has had, had a pretty successful pretty career, career for his talent level, in my opinion. So I guess Arch is feeling good because an Ohio State quarterback is finally about to break through. Maybe. I mean, maybe. We'll see. He's probably, he's probably <laughs> feeling good. But no, yeah. um, I, I, would, I would push back because I think the game is changing. I've told people all the time, Jalen Hurts making it to the Super Bowl changed a lot of things. That was the best thing for Anthony Richardson coming out, in my opinion. It was the best thing for Justin Fields. It's like if you put talent around quarterbacks that are dual threats and you can coach, once again, operative word, if you know how to coach with the talent around them and give them an offensive line, you can be successful. Yeah. You can be successful. And I don't think anyone saw – they thought Cam Newton was an anomaly. Ryan, remember yep. when Cam was on fire? Yeah. He made it to the Super Bowl and lost. Everybody yep. was like, see, he never got back. He's an anomaly. Well, here's another anomaly. Years later, and guess what? There are other anomalies coming behind him. It's it's going to start to become a trend. It's not an anomaly anymore, right? The the exception is, it's not. It's turning less of an exception and now becoming not the rule because it's still not standard, right? But it's becoming Mm -hmm. more and more prevalent. I think is the best way to put it. So to your point. All right, moving on now to Brandon Plesner, who says, "Mailbag is the is the wire is this new wire receiver target from Georgia a take?" Canyon, I just don't see it on film with him. Brandon, I, I I would disagree slightly with the film part. I actually do see it on film with him. I just don't think that he has played a position enough. Right? Like he's a very talented kid, though. Is he a take right now? Probably not. I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's way too early to tell that at this point. This is now about, you know, you're getting in with a kid that I think has a high upside. Continue to see how he continues to develop and takes a net forward. I hope for Warner Robbins, I hope he plays wide receiver all year because I think mm-hmm. we'll get a really nice indication of just how good he can be. So that's that's kind of what you know, that's kind of where we are right now. Like I I don't I and this is just my speculation. I haven't asked the Notre Dame staff this or anything, right? But if Isaiah Canyon wanted to commit today, I'm not sure they would take his commitment. That's just my opinion, though, because there's just other really talented receivers on the board, but that could change. If he develops the way he can develop, I think that could be a, that could change eventually. So we'll see. We had a, a bent Notre Dame who said, "Mailbag, can you try and rank the wide receiver and defensive end board? It's hard to figure out who the staff is pushing for the hardest. It is hard. Uh, I mean, so look for for I'll, I'll put it like this. All right, I'll put it like this. Who I think is near the top of the board for each Sean, and we'll just work through this real quick. Mm-hmm. I think at wide receiver, it's a pretty big group still because you have Cam Williams and you're trying to find a couple studs to go with the already stud that you have in the class. So I think you're going to push for guys like Ryan Wingo, Jeremiah McClellan, Jason Robinson, mm-hmm. Micah Gilbert out of North Carolina is I think a, a kid that Notre Dame really likes, Josiah Brown. 
I think that's like the top of the top group, but I think they're still on guys like Quasi Gilmer, Emmett Mosley, Bredell Richardson. I think they're still on that group, but I think there's kind of been a priority type of look from the wide receiver. So I would say, again, Ryan Wingo, Jeremiah McClellan, Jason Robinson, Josiah Brown, Micah Gilbert. I think that's kind of the top of the top of the group, but then Quasi Gilmer, Emmett Mosley, and Bredell Richardson are guys that they like and that they're still pushing for. So that's kind of wide receiver. Defensive lineman. I think interior defensive lineman for me, Sean, Notre Dame, Justin Scott's the priority, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's numero uno one. I think after that, you're talking about Jared Jared Smith from you know the Smith twins out there in the New England area. I think that he is a priority for Notre Dame. I think he's a guy that Notre Dame really likes, that they're high on. I think David Pale Pale out of Pennsylvania is a kid to keep an eye on, and I think TJ Lindsay's a guy to keep an eye on. That's kind of the defensive tackle board. Defensive end is a little bit more – of a cluster right now. I think mm-hmm. Bryce Young is an absolute priority for them. I think Jacob Smith is a priority for them. I think Anelu Lafayel out of, and I probably butchered his last name. I apologize, Anelu, if you're listening, but he's out of the state of Hawaii, player that they like. He's out of St. Louis, that which is the same one as Jordan Botello and Nick Herbig came out a few years ago. So that's the top of the top, I think, but then they're still on guys like Malachi Williams out of Pennsylvania. They're still out of Kellen Lindstrom out of Missouri. Cameron Clark was a guy that we just talked about in this show. Darian Mayo is a guy that they're on. Cole Mullins is a guy they're on. Logan Thomas is a guy that they're on out of the state of Texas. So that's kind of what the boards look like, just figuring out the rest of the hierarchy. But I do think that there's some guys that are already conceived as priority players for Notre Dame. And did you mention the uh, Pele kid? Pele Pele, yep. Yep, yep. Pele Pele. He is – if you can get him and Justin Scott – in the same class. <laughs> it's a lot of beef, man. It's a lot of athletic beef, too. <laughs> it's a lot of athletics athleticism, man. It's a lot of athletics. Man, I would do a full show, our show, on why Al Washington is the best. Sean, it's that's a great combination, man, because like I feel like you could have a legitimate argument of like who's the one, who's the nose in that group, and who's the mm-hmm. three tech. And, and, you could, tech. and you wouldn't be wrong. You wouldn't be wrong. You'd just be like, mm-hmm. yeah, both those guys can move, and both those guys are massive in different ways. So that's a good one, man. We had Archer said, does Derek Carr make the Saints the favorites in the NFC South? If you were Carolina's GM, what would you do um, at quarterback this offseason? Can I answer this one? Yes. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yes. At this point, yes. Because the Saints are the only ones that have a legit quarterback right now. So at this moment, yes, I would make them the favorites. Yeah, because Tampa Bay has Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask. Carolina Carolina is right now has Sam Darnold. Darnold. (laughs) And then who's the last team in that division? I'm blanking on. Why am I blanking? Uh, The Falcons have. They just got rid of Mariota. So Desmond Ritter's their guy right now. So maybe, I mean, maybe. The second part? Yeah. He should give the Chicago Bears whatever they want to come up and get the number one pick. That's what what the Carolina (laughs) Giants give us your first this year, your first next year, your second next year. Heck, we'll take your second this year. Like whatever Ryan Poles wants, just give it to him. Right, because yep. you guys need a quarterback. Just give it to him. That's what you should do. Just give it to him. Whatever he wants. Whatever they want. Yeah, sure. I'm not sure. being biased at all. I'll, I'll let I'll let y'all handle that one, man. <laughs> sure. We'll go with that. Michael Campbell, we got two questions left. Michael Campbell said, What happened with cornerback Caleb Beasley? Are we flipping soon or no? Man, we have no idea if he's gonna flip, Michael. I mean, at the at this point, I'll say this. He's obviously coming in for a visit, which is big for Notre Dame. That's big time. I think that Caleb Beasley really likes Notre Dame. Is it enough to get him away from Tennessee? We'll see. We'll see at the end of the day. But, yeah. We'll let Tennessee do that to themselves during the season. Don't if worry. they implode, yeah, or don't they don't worry. do as well. Don't worry. And then the last question we had was from Derek Colmer, who just said, Ryan, how many NFL teams did you meet with for their scout positions, and why did you turn them down? Derek, it's actually funny, man. I, I, I've never told the story really to anyone. <laughs> this is kind of like a little bit of an inside background stuff. So I actually, um, 2019, I was at the scouting combine actually, and I actually did talk to a 
general manager about potentially a scouting position for a team that that did happen, but I turned, I, I, I didn't pursue it. I didn't pursue like a second interview or anything because I was, you know, just starting the family thing. Right. And honestly, at this point Derek, like if a team called me today and offered me a scouting position or like a DPP position or, you know, direct, um, you know, director of scouting position, I, I wouldn't do it. Um, because I, I, yeah, I mean, you're on the, dude, you're, especially if you're an area scout, you're on the, mm-hmm. you're on the road 180 days of the year, man. Like mm-hmm. you are. Mm-hmm. I, I love my family and I intend to be around them as much as possible. So, you know, I, I, I had scouting dreams when I was younger and, you know, that, that's all well and good, but I don't have those scouting dreams anymore. Like it's just not, just not where not where I am in my life anymore, man. Like I, I like the media side of things. You know, I like covering the NFL draft from the media side. I do pretty well with my evaluations, if I do say so myself. I, I do well historically, but uh, yeah, that that's way past me. I uh, I'm comfortable with I am now where I am now. So that's, uh, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a that's a lot. Like it's I know place. I know some scouts. That's that's a lot. He uh, some yeah. guys just love it though, Ryan. They just love. I'm some of their lifers, man. Now they have families that like they've been doing it for 30 years. Dude, I used to do a podcast with a gentleman named David Turner who was a scout for literally 30 years. Yeah. Sean, he's like in his 50s now. And he loves it, man. Mm-hmm. He's got two kids and everything. And you know, they just are okay with him being on the road, you know, 880 days a year. And the crazy part is that my wife would support me a hundred percent if that's what I wanted to do. But I don't want to be away from them that long. Right. I just don't want to be right. away, you know? Like right. I want to be right. there. I I, mm-hmm. I don't want like yeah, I'm I'm good where I am at, man. I'm good where I am. But great question, Derek. Um, yeah, I've had some opportunities in that field, and I just I like where I am. I like where I am. So that's a good way to end us, though, for the mailbag portion of today's show. We want to thank everybody so much for tuning in today. Before you leave, if you could please just hit that likes like uh, like button, subscribe to the podcast, notification bell, all that great stuff. Go sign up at Boris at IrishBreakdown.com. We'll be having more and more intel on the recruiting side of things, as well as spring football is coming up soon so we'll have you know some more more uh more intel on that site as well so from sean i am ryan I want to thank you all again for joining the notre dame recruiting hour on the irish breakdown podcast